Hello, and welcome to the Agape Fellowship, where we study the Word of God verse by verse. In the previous episode, we studied the first temptation of Jesus Christ in the wilderness, as recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. We learned about God's providence throughout our lives that came through trust and obedience. Let's continue with the next temptation, beginning from verse 5. We pray that God will speak to you through this study. We are going into the portion called the temptations. Last week we saw one of the temptations where the Lord was tempted, Lord Jesus was tempted to make bread. And we saw how it was so, when we read this portion, we think it's so, you know, it's just a regular temptation. And as we studied um, last time, we understood that there is more to it than what we're reading. God's son Israel went through the same set of temptations and he failed. Then he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to walk on that same road. Just like Adam and the second Adam, here's Israel and sort of like the second Israel, if, if you could call it that even though it Bible is not called the second Israel, but they are walking in that same, because he's got to prove that he is the righteous, holy, sinless son of God and son of man that walked the walk that Israel was not able to walk. Israel was given the laws. The rest of us were given the laws from Israel. We read that also, that they were given the oracles of God and that, that came to us. So Israel, when he failed, then now Jesus walks along to prove to us, to fulfill scriptures, that he is able to walk the walk that Israel couldn't walk. And where Israel stumbled, Jesus did not stumble, did not sin, and move on. Please keep that in mind. We are Jew reading a Jewish writ. The Holy Scriptures, we are planted into the Jewish dump. And so every interpretation, every understanding of our scripture must come from it. We cannot have our own personal interpretation on this. It must come from the scriptures. And it must align with all of it, not just one verse. And we're going to talk about that tonight. So that's what we understood from the first um, temptation. And so now we're going to go into the second temptation. And let's go to that portion. And it says in verse 5, I'm Matthew 4, uh, chapter 5. I mean, verse 5. Then the devil took him into the holy city and set him up on a pinnacle of the temple. And said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give your angels charge over you. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot on the stone. Jesus said to him, it is written, you shall not tempt your God. Interesting that the devil has read up on scriptures more than you and I have read up on scriptures. And by the way, it was just delivered a few years before, but obviously Moses uh, wrote it down through God's inspiration. And uh, he, and so the devil, can you imagine? Can you believe? Is quoting from scriptures. So the devil has memorized scriptures as an expert, and it will cause a person to stumble if we were to listen to him. And his quotation here, the devil is quoting from Psalm 91. 11 and 12. And the whole objective here is does, Satan doesn't care where and how and what instruments he has to use in order to cause us to stumble. If he's got to steal or beg or borrow or whatever it takes 
to cause us to stumble, then he will proudly steal, including from God's holy word. The hatred and vitriol that Satan has for God and his creation, that includes us, his special creation, uh, is out of this world. The vitriol, the hatred. And Jesus understood what Satan was saying and addressed the matter headlong. Is it possible for God to send his angels? Of course it is possible for the angels to send, I mean God to send angels to support him. However, notice the crooked, slimy wickedness that Satan comes along. If Jesus did what Satan asked him to do, guess what happened? He fell right into the trap, Satan's trap. What is it? Subtle obedience to Satan's sway. If Jesus listened to that. If Jesus took a pride in his heart and said, yes, sure, I can. If I ask the Lord to send, if I ask my father to send angels, he will. In fact, he did say that in another place. But he chose not to. What did he choose not to? Not to fall into the trap that Satan had led. Mm -hmm. Following Satan's lead or suggestion, order or commandment, name it what you will, is carrying his water for him. The very same thing Adam and Eve fell into. The very same thing that God called his child Israel collectively and said not to. Jesus, notice, Jesus by himself had no real specific need to prove anything to anybody. He had no specific need to jump off anywhere. But if he did take that step, what would he do? He is now taking intentional steps to prove. And by taking intentional steps, he's actually obeyed Satan and fell in his trap to follow along. It is called trolling. In the internet world, there's something called trolling. Satan trolled Jesus. And you take the bait, you're in it. Jesus didn't fall for the trolling bait. Yes, Mr. Steve. I think it's important to notice that not only did Jesus respond to Satan's accusations uh, from Scripture to a degree, but he also responded with Scripture. But if you read the Scriptures from which he responded, they all pertain to the authority of God. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's more. I totally agree with you on this. Um, I will come to that point that you just made. It is a sin for a person. Here's the simple basis of what comes on, the principle behind it. It is sinful for a person who has experienced grace and providential salvation of God to put God to the test. Israel just did this. Israel experienced providential salvation from God. With a strong and mighty arm, he had delivered 
Israel from slavery and bondage in Egypt. And out of Egypt was his son Israel called. And God took him out by a mighty, powerful working of his hand. Strong and mighty arm, that's what the Holy Bible says. And now you are testing, and Israel had tested God in the same space. And here it was, the principle for us. And here's the same principle. It is a sin. Now Satan is tempting Jesus to put God to the test. Let's read Psalm 95, starting at verse 6 to 11. And somebody else, please take Exodus 17 to 7. And someone else take Deuteronomy 22, 9, 22 to 24. Hebrews 3, 7. Hold on. Let, what I'm going to set the stage here is, what we're going to see is how Israel failed. And how scriptures again and again tells us that Israel tempted God. And I want us to see that parallel where the temptation took place. And guess what? Satan's doing exactly the same thing to Jesus. Okay? That's what we're going to learn from here. 95, 6 to 11. Psalms 95, verses 6 to 11. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. When your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my work. For forty years I was grieved with that generation, and said, It is a people who go astray in their hearts, and they do not know my ways. So I soar in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Exodus chapter 17, verses 2 to 7. Therefore the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people, and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also, take in your hand your rod, which you struck the river, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, because of the contention of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? People forgot who brought them out of Egypt. People forgot how they were freed from Egypt. Just keep those two things in mind, and I've got a few comments to make after we finish reading this portion. Deuteronomy 9. Deuteronomy chapter 9, verses 22 to 24. Also at Tabra and Massa and Kibroth Hatava, you provoke the Lord to wrath. 
Likewise, when the Lord sent you from Kadesh Barnea, saying, Go up and possess the land which I have given you, then you rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God, and you did not believe him nor obey his voice. You have been rebellious against the Lord from the day that I knew you. Hebrews chapter 3 verses 7 to 19 Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works forty years. Therefore I was angry with that generation, and said, They always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is still called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt, led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. What do we see here? We see Israelites having left Egypt and on their way. And what we see here is thirst. In Deuteronomy, we see that they were thirsty. Or in Exodus, we see that they were thirsty. Is there something wrong with being thirsty? It's wilderness land. It's hot. What do you expect? It's wilderness land and it's hot. Is something else expected? Is God angry because of that? No. God is not angry with that. But God was testing them. Remember, we read that in Deuteronomy 8.3. They were tested to see uh, and to teach and to try their heart because they had already seen the great salvation of the Lord. They had experienced the salvation of the Lord. They went through the, the uh, Red Sea. They were baptized into Moses. And they, were come, they saw all of that. And now God's expectation is, I have shown you enough signs for you to stand up and be a man or a woman. Man up or woman up. Grow yourself a backbone. Don't be a wimp. I have saved you then. I will save you now. So, trust, obedience, follow me. Don't look at wine at, uh, today and tomorrow and say, oh, woe is me, woe is me every day. God demands that of us. As a believer, it is expected of us. I know that we all go through very rough times. Sometimes we go through wilderness experiences. Many times we stay in wildernesses for many years. 
what should our response be during those times? The very same thing, my dear brothers and sisters, as we see where Israelites failed, but Jesus is done. I can identify with that, hey. that temptation that Jesus had, the second temptation. I'm sorry, say it again. I can identify with You can that. identify. You want to, You have an experience to share with us? Yes. Uh, when I take people rafting down the Delaware, I, I always climb to one of the highest cliffs and jump off because I, I want to show off. <laughs> now, I'm not really putting God to the test because I know the water is deep. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can identify with what to do something spectacular. <laughs> um, we all go through the wilderness experience. We all face hunger. We all face thirst. Hunger of different types. Thirst of different types. Pain of different types. And when they do come, it's not that God has forgotten us. Think that we are being tested to ensure that we've passed from grade one to grade two. If you fail um, with an F in grade one, you are not going to grade two. It's not so difficult for us to understand this principle because we've applied it everywhere in our life. Why not in our scripture? Why not in our Christian walk? In our Christian walk, God does test us from time to time to see where our faith is. And if you think you haven't, then you don't know God. God does test us. God tests everybody. He allows things into our lives. Why? Just because he's a killjoy? No, but to test us. To see, I mean, not to prove anything to himself because he already knows us, but to prove to us. Where do we stack in our grade? Are we a B student, A student, C student, or a flunky? He continuously tests us. If we have flunked somewhere, he's going to test you again and again and again. He's going to permit that. Why? Because he wants you to know that you've got to call upon him. I've got to call upon him and rise up and stand up and mature ourselves in Christ. Now, I want to assure you that none of us will get to A plus positive super Christ. We will not get there because we have one problem. We sin live in a sin-stained world. Our bodies are corrupt. We sin against ourselves. <clears throat> so many things that are a problem for ourselves. So we have a problem, but Christ is compassionate. He's long-suffering. He understands our weakness, and he's able to come alongside and to encourage us to keep walking. And so Jesus is being tested exactly the same way as Israelites were, and he passes the test. Here's one thing that we want to understand. Beware of scripture quotations um, by itself. Always there must be supporting quotes, quotation of verses that support a position. Multiple, number one. We have to understand that every heresy that has come and haunted the church today is rooted on one or two scriptures here and there. Every one of them, they started off, oh, you know what, because of that, we got to do this. I was taken out of context, and get, believe me, these, the ones that have created these heresies were not the first ones to do it. Satan did it way back. And they were only the following their father, the devils, 
suggestions and ideas to create heresies within the church. They twist their the scriptural versions, the uh, script of scripture verses to fit their narratives. Jesus understood where Satan was going because what was he doing? He was looking at the whole counsel of God. He understood the whole thing. He's the author. Um, he understood. Acts 20, 27. The whole counsel of God. And that Satan was twisting that passage in 91. Jesus also knew how to rightly divide the word of truth. This is one of the things that we have to learn as believers. A time is coming when people are going to throw scriptures at us. And they're going to lead us astray. Because they're going to follow their father the devil. We have to be careful. That we rightly divide the word of God. We understand the word of God clearly. And that our flesh should not get in the way. Many times it's our flesh that gets in the way of rightly dividing the word of God. Now, if it were up to me, if I were in Jesus' place and Satan showed, and he said, hey, Anil, throw yourself off the cliff. You know, your father in heaven will hold you. I will think twice. You know why? Because I'm a sinner. I'll say, yeah, my father is going to show, is going to take care of me. I'm going to show you something, Satan, that I'm God's son. And I'm going to fall down and be flat as a tomato. That's what's going to happen to me. Why? The pride of life. My pride has taken over my senses. If Jesus was a prideful man, he would do what I would do, which is I want to show off. I'd take the bait. But he wouldn't take the weight. Why would I take the bait? Because my fleshly side, which is I'm going to prove that I'm the son of God, I'm better than you, da, 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 and then guess what? I obeyed the devil. I took his bait, and now I'm as flat as a tomato on the floor. That's what would happen to me. So we've got to be careful about these quotations. Always be like the Bereans. Acts 17.10. Go back and see if it is not so. So we all as believers in Christ Jesus, as brothers and sisters in Christ, it is our bounden duty to take the words that I, even I speak, and whoever speaks, whoever shares, from your churches, from your pulpits, wherever they may be. It's your requirement. And if not, God's going to hold you accountable. The old, the old joke about misusing the scripture goes... There's this person, and he really needs guidance from God, so he prays, and he says, God, just show me something from the Bible. And he just opens the Bible, and he comes to the verse that says, Judas went on himself. <laughs> yes, I remember and, that. And then he said, this can't be right. Oh, he said, show me again, Lord. And then, then the next one he comes to is go down. Go Do down it likewise. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's what will happen. <laughs> so, go ahead, brother. But now, when it seems that devil knows the word of God from beginning to end, that nobody else know it, but even then the difference between knowing the word of God, quoting the scripture verses, and then us 
we live in the presence of god but it cannot live it and there is another verse also it says letter kills spirit gives life so now that means when we are hearing the messages if somebody is quoting the verses left and right so we think that oh he is so spiritual we believe that oh, he is to what he is saying but we have to see the motive behind it correct that they that's what i mentioned earlier which is <clears throat> people have intentions different motives different intentions for quoting scriptures and let us be discerners psalm 26:2 examine me o lord and try and test my mind and my heart if any as be that was um in reference to you speaking about satan testing us and jesus answering uh you're not supposed to test your lord your god and i presented that verse to show that we're supposed to go to god and say examine me try me yes test me we're not supposed to go the other way good point very good point excellent point here's the thing that another piece um that i want to bring another part of it another point of view on the same topic um what was satan attempting to do here he said if you are the son of god not that he did not that satan doubted that this was the son of god in other words he's saying since you are the son of god show me the sign let your angels hold you up while you fall you know while you take a leap off the top of the roof show a sign when the pharisees came to jesus asking for a proof he didn't appease their demands let me read that portion mark 8 11 and 12 then the pharisees came out and began to dispute with him seeking from him a sign from heaven testing notice it's again a test that it, i don't understand what's with the folks everybody wants to test god so here's it he wants the sadducees and sadducees want to test want to test him with a sign and you know what he said and here's where it goes verse 12 but he sighed deeply in his spirit and said why does this generation seek a sign assuredly i say to you no sign shall be given to this generation there are many churches after having been saved the greatest miracle that can happen brothers and sisters are saved in christ insist on sign that the holy spirit dwells in us insist for example they insist that people must speak in tongues to show that they have been saved my friends my dear brothers and sisters a greater miracle has happened before that which is we've been saved and that salvation didn't require us a sign he said it in john 3 it says look it's like the wind no one where it goes knows where it goes but you'll see the effects of it it is in believing he said just as the son of man was raised just as the serpent was raised in the wilderness so will the son of man be raised 
so that anyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Dear brothers and sisters, we've got the greatest miracle that's happened in our lives, which is salvation by faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone. That did not require a sign from anybody. You believed and you were saved. Now here we are walking through a wilderness experience and here we are testing the Lord. Give me a sign that you're here. If this is so, that is so. Why am I thirsty? Why am I hungry? Are you with me? Are you not with me? What's going on in my life? And I understand the challenges and the difficulties because I'm like you. I too am walking through the same wilderness experiences. But it is not our place, our master, our leader, our elder brother is Christ Jesus. We got to learn from him that when Satan comes along and tempts us to ask for a sign, we've got to say, <laughs> in my language, not in the scriptural language, go to hell. Uh, that's my language. Um, it's not for us to ask God for a sign. It is to walk in faith, knowing that a greater miracle has we've experienced, and now we are God's own, and that God has purposes in allowing these difficult things into our lives, and wilderness, and thirst, and hunger, and pain, and hardships, and, and say, God, teach me from this. What is it that you want from me? Open my eyes so that I might see what it is that you want from me. Maybe it's your fashioning. Maybe you're molding me into something that I, I don't particularly care to be molded, but I'm the clay and you are the potter. And cause my heart to fashion around where you want me to be. That I might be your instrument. It's a, it's a very simple ask, but it's a very tough ask. I don't say this lightly. This is part of our sanctification. In conforming, transforming, renewing our minds and having the mind of Christ. All of that begins here. And this is the reason I'm staying on this point on the second temptation is because we all face it. We all have this, I tell you, every day we face it. And if you say you don't face it, you are a liar. And I can see that you're a liar because your nose has turned purple. Because we all face it. Which, which, sin, which sin are you actually talking about? <laughs> the, ah. which, which sin? The sin of asking God why when we have already experienced salvation. Why? And murmuring and putting God to the test as we walk through these difficult points in our life. Now, that can apply to anything, whatever it is. Uh, so this is a generalized statement, but it applies in so many places in our life. So uh, take it the way... It you know what your situation is. I don't know what your situation is. And the Holy Spirit knows your situation. So I'm not going to be prescriptive. I'm just stating the principle here.
Our Savior Jesus was willing to walk down the path of trials and temptations for us. We saw how the devil traps us with quotes from scripture, emphasizing the need for us to be watchful, lest we too go the way of the world. The lure of material wealth and fame is even now a trap from the evil one. Jesus shows us how we need to be watchful and not let evil get a foothold in our lives. So, when doubts and fears arise, we look up to Jesus as he leads us on. Hope you are blessed by this study and do join us in the next episode. Until then, Shalom.